Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Give them a hand clap to Kentucky. What's up? Owensboro, Henderson, we love you. Dumas, Texas, what's going on? Thank you all for serving during the serve day. I want to tell every campus I'm extremely proud as a pastor that we went out and we're the hands and the feet of Jesus. And I believe this. I believe as Christians, come on, we don't just have one serve day a year or a quarter. Every day is serve day. How many of y'all think every day we ought to love our community, love the people around us, serve people? When we do that, people see Jesus flowing through us. Why don't you turn to your neighbor, tell them this, say you're lucky. You got to sit by me again today. Let them know that they're blessed. Turn to your other neighbor. Tell them you look like you've lost 20 pounds. Tell them that today. They look like they've lost 20 pounds. Um, here's what I want in my life and what I want in your life. I believe that, that I reach my destiny and I reach my calling and I'm fulfilled with what God tells me to do in my life. Whenever you reach your destiny and you reach your calling and you do what God tells you to do with your life. What I want more for the people in his church than anything else is I want to see you rise into the call of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want to see you become more like him every day. I really want to see you walk out and live the Christian life. How many of y'all think we could become a powerful force together if every one of us got in the perfect will of God for our life? All of us together. See, see that that's what we're supposed to do when we come together. The body of Christ is being built. You're being equipped right now. You're being lifted. And uh, I think a lot of people in church, they look around and they see some people, they get born again, and their life just takes off like a rocket. I mean, their life changes, things break off of them, they get delivered from stuff that's, that's destroying them, then they get into the blessing of God in their life. You see some other people, they come to church, they get born again, they give their life to Jesus, but it's like their life kind of stays right there where it was whenever they come to the altar. And why does one person's life take off and the other person's life just stays the same year after year, week after week, month after month? I really believe this is the reason. And I don't think it's said enough. All right, church, it's not enough to give your heart to Jesus. Let me say it again. It's not enough to give your heart to Jesus. Let me say it one more time. In Kentucky, maybe you'll get this. It's not enough to give your heart to Jesus. You also have to give your minds to Jesus. You have to give your mind to Jesus. Come on, come on. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him, give him your mind. Give him your mind. Just tell him that. You got to give him your mind. All right, all right. I'm going to pray, and today I believe God's going to help us the next few weeks give our minds to Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the people under the sound of my voice. Right now, I pray for them. I thank you for them. I pray, Father, we wouldn't just people that be people that have given our heart to Jesus. Help us give our mind. Help us give our strength. Help us give our bodies. Help us give every part of us to Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and the church said, amen, amen. Amen. If you have your Bible on you, I want you to open them up today to the book of Romans. Come on, let's go to Romans chapter 12. And uh, today I want to preach or teach just to help us right where we are. Romans chapter 12, we're going to start reading in verse 1. 
in one second. And whenever you get there today, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, go ahead and say, uh-huh, out there. Romans 12, chapter 1, we'll read 1, verses 1, 2, maybe 3, uh, right there, the book of Romans. All right, here's, here's what it says. It starts out, and it reads like this. All right, it's not enough to give your heart to Jesus. You have to give him your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, I beseech you, or I, I, I beg of you, or I, I, I implore you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. All right, Paul starts out and he says, I, I beseech you, brethren, I, I want this for you by the mercies of God. I do what I do to try to get mercy into your life. You know, whenever we teach and preach or whenever we parent, how many know you're not parenting because you want to rule over somebody or you want to put them in their place or you want to tell them what to do? You're trying to get the mercy of God in their life. How many of y'all want to see the mercy of God in your grandchildren's life, huh? The mercy of God in your children's life and the mercy of God in all of our life. So whenever, whenever we're being exhorted or we're being challenged or we're being corrected, we can't see it through the American mindset if somebody is trying to do, do something to me we got to see it that this is the mercy of God flowing into my life how many know whenever your parents told you to look both ways before you cross the road it was the mercy of God amen whenever whenever your dad taught you be careful who you call outside right it, it was the mercy of God right because there's always a, a quicker gun and uh, I think when the Bible's telling us how to live, it's not that God's trying to take something away from us. He's trying to give us something and make our lives better, right? Even when God says no, there's mercy attached to it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. He says, here's what you do once you've come into Jesus and you know Jesus. Now, we don't just give a sacrifice on Sunday morning of, of our, our giving. We don't just give a sacrifice of our praise, right? We don't just give a sacrifice of our service. Our whole body becomes a living sacrifice unto God. Man, if we were that committed that we saw ourselves as all the way dead and that our life was already his and that, that, that we were a walking sacrifice would be so powerful. And, and the people of this, this time and this culture, they understood sacrifices. The Romans understood sacrifice. These aren't, these aren't Jewish people. These are Roman people, although there were Jews there in the church of Rome. They understood the sacrificial system. That they saw sacrificial systems in, in, in the pagan uh, places they worshipped. Many of these people came out of pagan worship. They would see sacrifices to pagan gods. The Jews that were there in Rome at the time, they understood the sacrificial system of the temple. And if you knew anything about the temple, you would know that the temple really was like a massive slaughterhouse up on Mount Moriah. The high priest would spend most of his time at certain parts of the, of the year really butchering animals. Did you know that? It would look like a slaughterhouse. It looked like one of the packing houses out here in West Texas. As a matter of fact, there was so much sacrifice on the temple altar that there's a special drainage system to bring blood down from the top of the temple and to bring it down to the Kidron Valley. Whenever Jesus is down there uh, uh, saying, not my will, thy will be done, take this cup from my hand, he's looking at the Kidron Valley, and it's filled with blood from the sacrifice. How many know, church, our life is no longer our own if we've come into Jesus, and we're to present our whole lives a sacrifice, not to die for him, but come on, church, how many of y'all want to live for him out there? You really want to walk for him and talk with him and, and live for him? Come on, let's give God a strong hand clap. We're going to be a living 
sacrifice. Said, be holy, acceptable to God. It's your reasonable service. It's just reasonable to give ourselves to him as a sacrifice. And he goes on after that, and here's really where I want to key. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Come on, everybody say, don't be conformed. Let's say it out loud at every campus. Don't be conformed. One more time, don't be conformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is really in the, the, the way and the will of fallen humanity to want to conform to those who are around us. 70% of the personalities, uh, human personalities, it's been proven that really we want to conform. We don't like, what is it, Jesse? She's uh, 65%. All right, but Jesse checks my statistics, right? Uh, so thank God we have a fact checker here that does not work for Facebook, right? We have, a, we have our own fact checker, my wife, keeping me, keeping me honest. 65% of personalities, they, they like to conform with, with, some, with, with what's around them. And they also don't like change. So it's in a lot of our nature to conform with what's going on around us. I was watching a, a political show a couple days ago, which I like politics. There's a time to turn it off. How many know if you watch it 24 hours a day, you will be angry all the time? Can I get an amen out there? And especially in this atmosphere, and I watch it way too much. Uh, I watch it so much, even my son watches it. He started watching it when he, when he was nine years old, and my mother would laugh because when a certain show comes on at night, my nine-year-old would come down the stairs. He would go to the recliner. He would turn on the show, and he would watch an hour of political commentary like a 50-year-old man. He's been doing that for two years, and he can already go neck and neck with almost any adult in America on current events. He doesn't care much about other studies, but he loves current events, and uh, I do too. But I was watching this show the other day, and they were talking about mass hysteria, and, and really about how mass hysteria uh, happens and what it looks like, and there's been outbreaks of mass hysteria throughout history so much that it's, it's made, there's chapters written on this stuff, all right? So, so there's like something from about, oh, it's about 800 years ago. It was called the dancing plagues of Europe. What happened is spontaneous dancing broke out amongst people in Europe, and they all started dancing, not just for days, not just for, for weeks, but some of them danced to the point of death. And while they danced, some of them would pull their clothes off. They would screech like cats. They brought preachers in to, to try to exercise and cast the devil out of them. But what it really was at the end of the day was it was simply mass hysteria. One person started dancing, and everybody else thought they had to dance too. How many know dancing and laughter, it can be contagious, right? It, it gets around. But something like that so grabbed the culture, people danced till they went crazy. There was another, there was another instance of this where a group of nuns, during the dark ages, started to meow like cats. One nun started to meow. Now, I don't know, I guess it felt good to the next nun. And the next nun started to meow. The next thing you know, the whole property full of nuns were all meowing like cats. And they meowed like cats till the cops came and threatened to beat them, right? Why did that happen? It's, it's mass hysteria. You ever seen a crowd turn violent? Come on. How many of y'all were at a, at a party in high school you shouldn't have been at? One fight broke out, and what happened after the one fight broke out? The next fight broke out, and the next fight broke out. Why? 
It's a mass hysteria. It's, it's people start to conform. Right now, we've got conforming happening in America and around the world that doesn't even make sense. Can I get an amen out there? So somebody's afraid, so everybody else has to be afraid, and the next person has to be afraid. Next thing you know, we're all stifled by fear. How many know this church, his church, we are not going to live by fear. We are going to live by faith. We are not going to walk like those who are scared. Come on, somebody. The strength of God is in us and on us. And we're not going to conform to this world, but we're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can look at cultural things like, does anybody remember Zubaz pants? Anybody remember Zubaz from the 80s? Like the MC Hammer pants? Come on, what's happening out there? How many of y'all owned a pair of MC Hammer pants? Oh, right there. I'm, I'm going to pray for y'all after the service, special prayer. Well, uh, those things were ridiculous. Why would we have wore MC Hammer pants? Somebody else wore them and we wanted to conform. Well, I'll tell you, we got things happening in the culture right now. We have kids that have a higher level of sexual identity problems than we've ever had before. Is it right or is it right? Why is it like that? What changed? Well, there's a pressure out there to make kids conform to a new agenda that's not the agenda of the Bible, but it's a demonic agenda that comes to steal, kill, and destroy their lives. Now they're confused and they're trying to conform to an image that's not the image of God, but it's the image of the world and the image of the man. So what we have to do is we have to make a conscious decision as the church that we will never conform to the world's way of living. We will never conform to the world's system of doing things. Come on. We don't live like the world lives. We live like the word lives. We're not going to be conformed to this world, but we'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Whenever you get saved, here's what happens. Right? Your spirit gets saved. You, you might have come to an altar. You might have got saved right there where you are. Um, I think God started a process in my life in the 90s. And there's no one moment I can point to where I can say that's where it is. I got born again right there. Some people would say, well, you're not born again. I believe I kind of slowly came to faith, right? Little by little, bit by bit, I knew it was the truth and it was this process. But, but after I got born again, here's what happened. The moment I got born again... My spirit got born again. If you're born again out there, you're, 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 you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's say that together. Say, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. All right, if you're born again, your spirit is saved. How many of y'all, whenever you got born again, your mind still had some problems? You still had some thoughts that weren't godly. Did anybody out there have some thoughts that weren't godly this week? Let me, let me see your hands. Come on, don't lie. We're in church. Liars go to hell. Amen? All right, so, so we, had some, we had some, let's see your hands again. Did you have some ungodly thoughts? Shame on you people. Jesus, I, I'm not doing a very good job pastoring y'all or something. See, I, listen, I, I did too. And, and the thought, the initial thought doesn't make you the bad person. It's staying on that thought that'll mess you up. Amen? See, what thoughts are like is thoughts are like planes. I'll tell you, you get on a plane and a plane is going somewhere. If you go to the airport and you get on a plane, you better make sure you're at the right gate. Amen? I remember Jesse and I, we were kids. It's before we got married. She got her wisdom teeth cut out. And, uh, I mean, her face swole up like a chipmunk, man. She got, she got it big, right? So she got her wisdom teeth cut out. And she was traveling with this uh, female evangelist she was singing for back then. And this lady also preached on the street and did, did meetings and whatnot. So Jesse flew out of Amarillo to Houston, Texas, and was going to minister for her. And she was taking the pain pills because she had her wisdom teeth cut out. And uh, she was a lightweight. Like, she'd take a half of one, and it's like her, her, she's face down in, the, in, her, in her Mexican food at the restaurant. But she, she, got, on, she got on the plane 
And back then, it was like this Airbus to Houston, and there were two stops, right? There are two airports down there. I don't think they've done this in years, maybe since before 9-11. But there were two stops, and uh, there's two airports down there. In recent years, I've went to the wrong airport in Houston. We are preaching to pick her up and miss the meeting at night. But, but she flies down. And uh, the pain pills are kicking. So she lands at the first airport is where she's supposed to get off. And doesn't know the plane takes off again, and it hops to the next airport. And the people that are there to pick her up are at the first airport. And so they're there, and she's at another location across town. What happened to her? She ends up at the wrong destination. Why does that happen? Well, she stayed on the plane too long. You know what happens to most Christians that lives never really take off? They don't get off of a thought at the right destination. They ride that thought to the wrong uh, place to get off, and their whole life is getting messed up. What today's message is about is it's telling us all, you, me, all of us together, to get off the negative thoughts and get off the world's thoughts and to get on the word's thoughts. Come on, somebody. And if you're riding the wrong thought, get off of it now. It's time to renew our minds with the word of the living God. Can I get an amen? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I get transformation? It, it, that word transformation, it, it's the same word uh, like a metamorphosis. It, it's what a uh, caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly, right? If you want your life to really flourish, uh, it, that giving your heart to Jesus is the beginning and it's everything. But it doesn't stop there. We got, we got a world of Christians in America that think just because they pray to prayer, they're living a great Christian life, and they're not. See, that's the beginning. Whenever we pray to receive Jesus, it's not the end of Christianity. It is only the beginning. And every day, little by little, bit by bit, step by step, we renew our minds to think the thoughts and the word of God. Amen? Don't be conformed to this world. How do I, how do I stop being conformed, Pastor? How do I get out of what's destroying me? How do I get into a successful Christian life? How do I, whatever that means, how do I, how do I take that next step? We're going to have to stop thinking the thoughts of the world and to start thinking the thoughts of the word of the living God. Be, be renewed in your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can have a transformation in the next two or three months in your life that's so massive that the world will stop and take notice that you are a different person. I remember whenever I got married, I'd gotten saved. I left Colorado State. I was out there failing out. Uh, I'll say this. My first semester at Colorado State University, I had a .9 GPA. Not a 1.9, 2.9, 3.9, but a 1.9. Can anybody out there beat those numbers? I just want to see if anybody can top that, right? .9 GPA. And... Um, I failed out of school promptly in like a year and a half. As a matter of fact, I left before I finished that last semester because I knew it was over, right? And, and I, I lived in a fraternity house with a bunch of guys, and it was living like animals. It's what it was. And I got born again. And over the course of the next two years, I gave myself to the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to change my mind. And I invited some of those, those guys I live with in the fraternity house. Some of them were in my wedding. As a matter of fact, they stood on this stage with me when me and Jesse exchanged vows. And I remember them saying, whenever they were out here two years later, we have never met a man that's changed so much in our lives. What in the world happened? And when they saw that, you know what I got to do? I got to lead my roommate to Jesus, and he's raising his family in a church in Colorado. Come on, somebody. That's the power of changing your mind. See, you, you can renew your mind. 
How do you renew your mind? You take the word of God and you work it. What would I do back then? I would, I would get a scripture. I still do this. I'll get a scripture and I walk around and I, I say the word of God over my life. A lot of people, because I had an addiction background, they'll, they'll bring me a kid or a young person that's messed up, want me to lay hands on them or do something for them, and I really have no fairy dust to fix them. I don't have any more than you do. But if I can get them to get the word of God and begin to work it and to change the way they think, they can change everything. I begin to say things like this. I'll walk in the spirit and fulfill not the lust of the flesh. Changing the way I think. Now, I didn't say it once. I didn't say it twice. I'd say it like a thousand times a day. I walk in the spirit. I fulfill not the lust of the flesh. I walk in the spirit. I fulfill not the lust of the flesh. I walk in the spirit. I fulfill not the lust of the flesh. I, I walk in the spirit. I fulfill not the lust of the flesh. I walk in the spirit. I fulfill not the lust of the flesh. I walk in the spirit. I fulfill not the lust of the flesh. I walk in the spirit. Come on, if you want to change your life, you got to get the word and work the word till the word starts changing the way you think. I walk in the spirit. And I fulfill not the lust of the flesh. I would say things like, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Anybody thankful out there that Jesus has set you free? If you believe it, you ought to say it over yourself. Amen? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Little by little, bit by bit, just the way your mind got messed up walking into the woods. Come on, God can change your mind. And you can walk out of the woods in any area of life and into successful Christian living. See, life is not happening to us. Our life is an extension of our heart. Let's say that out loud. Everybody say, my life is an extension of my heart. Let's say it again. My life is an extension of my heart. The Bible says this, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of your heart flows the issues of life. That's in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart with all diligence. Out of it flows the issues of your life. So my, my life isn't happening because of something on the outside. My life is happening because of something on the inside. A lot of people don't like that message because right in the book of Genesis, whenever Adam and Eve, they fall, what do they do? They, they enter into the blame game. Adam says, it was the woman you gave me. And, or, or, and Eve says, it was the serpent. And the serpent doesn't know who to turn to. It's always blaming somebody else. We get a hold of this message, we understand that our life is because of our heart. And that, that brings it down to reality. But what the real good thing about that is, if my life flows out of my heart, now I know that I have the power to change my life. I can change my life by changing my heart. How many of y'all want to have a better life next year, a better Christian life next year than you did last year? Come on, somebody give God a hand clap if you want that. You can change your life by changing your heart, by renewing your mind. Guard your heart with all diligence. Out of it flows the issues of life. That word guard, it means this. It means in the Hebrew to guard with the same intensity that a father would guard the virginity of his daughter the chastity of his virgin daughter. You know, how many dads and daughters do I have out there? Right? It's different when you have a little girl than when you have a little boy. I got two girls, and whenever we had them, I'd look at them, and, and I, I saw my boy. Whenever he's born, I look at him, it's like, I'm going to make a man out of you. Right? It's in you somehow. I'm going to make a man out of you. You're looking at that boy? You have those little girls, you're like, I, I'd kill people for you. That's what I'd do. It's, it's just, I mean, I, so, so it's like, we're going we're gonna to guard. We're going to guard them. 
Like, like the, the, the conversation's just coming up. My oldest daughter's 15. It's like, can she go to homecoming with a boy? And I'm like, I don't know. Can I chip him with a microchip? And can I have a live feed of him every minute of his life? And whenever he shows up, you know, if he showed up to pick her up, I'm going to have me and 17 of my best friends. We'll be shirtless, cleaning a deer in the front yard, right? We'll be polishing our ARs. And it's like, you ever seen this, son? This is a hand grenade. Would you like to hold one? Come here. Let me help you out for a second. Right? Why? Because I'm going to guard that girl. And uh, I'm going to guard my, my, how many men do you know it's on us to guard our families, by the way? How many of you think men ought to still guard their wives and guard their families and guard their houses? How many of y'all think men ought to be men again in 2021 in America? How many of y'all think men ought to lead again? How many of y'all think we ought to stop apologizing for being men? Can I get an amen? We need to go back to an American where, where, the, where the men were men. We need men clubs again. Used to, you could have, you could have men, men need clubs where they hang out with other men. Now, I'm not talking about doing anything evil. I'm just talking about a camaraderie amongst men. That's how they learn manhood. We got rid of that, and we've lost manhood in America. Now nobody's guarding the way they used to. That's why we have such a cultural breakdown. You got strong families, you got strong men, it's very hard to oppress a culture. You got weak families, you got weak men, you can oppress a culture. Now I don't know about you, but I don't intend to live oppressed. Jesus died for our freedom. Amen? Jesus died for our freedom. I don't intend to live oppressed by anyone. So, so here's, here's what it says, guard. You, you, just like you would guard a family member. You're to guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Your, ha- your life. It's coming out of your very heart. I, uh, I was praying at 2nd and Allen in Owensboro, Kentucky. This was years ago. We, we, we pioneered the church down there, and um, I don't know, it wasn't growing the way I thought it should. It's probably a tough time. You know, you, you, you'll run into some of those. You live long enough, you're going to have some tough times. And I was in the sanctuary praying by myself, and I was praying for revival. And I was praying that God would grow the church. And I was praying that God would do something. Now I'm in there and I'm looking for God. Like, God, you come split the heavens and do something. You come and pour out uh, anointing. You come and send angels or something to stir the waters. Come, come do something. And God spoke to me and he said, do you want to grow that church? He said, you can grow that church if you grow your heart. God put it back on me. If you grow what's on the inside of you, I'll grow what's on the outside of you. What was he saying to me? He's saying, change my mind. Change the way you think. Come on, come on. Don't be conformed to the world's way of doing, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You want want a different marriage? Change your mind. You want a different relationship with your children? Change your mind. You want a different financial life? Come on, somebody. Change your mind. You want a different health life? You got to change your mind. Doesn't matter what area it is. If we change our minds, we will change our lives. Guard your heart with all diligence. Out of it flows the issues of life. Here's some ways we can can think different, just to give you a few quick ways. Number one, here's the first thing that's really shaping the way you think. It's who you are around every day. Come on, who are you running with? We used to preach this to youth all the time. The Bible says he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. We'd say this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I've heard, heard like uh, guys that teach like success programs, like Zig Ziglar, 
right? It was a Baptist guy that taught sales and taught success. He's went on to heaven now, but he was great. Anybody ever listened to, to Zig back in the day? Zig, Zig was incredible. Zig would say this, that your life will be an extension of the five people you hang out with the most. Your life will be an extension. The way you think, your spirit, your attitude becomes like who you hang out with. And so with some people, it's not that they're getting you into some big, gross, dark sin. It's that they're keeping you from ever going higher in life. Because a lot of people don't want to see you climb higher. They don't want to see your success. They don't want to see the fulfillment of everything God said in your life. Why? If they're not there, they don't want you to be there. Um, years ago, I, I went fishing. I was in, uh, I was in the, the Outer Banks over in the Carolinas. And we, were, we were fishing for crab. You stand out in the water. I don't know if it, I, I've only done this once in my life, but we didn't have crab in Kentucky where I grew up. You know, you don't have any water. But we're out there, and, and you take this like hook type thing. You put meat on it. You throw it out into the into the bay. You got a string, and you just hold it. The crabs come and they grab a hold of that meat. They take the bait, and they won't let go of the bait. And then you got a bucket. You put the crabs in after you've caught these crabs. And they say that if you put just one crab in a bucket. He can climb out of that bucket. But if you put two crabs in a bucket, they'll never get out. Why will they never get out? Because when one crab starts to crawl up out of the bucket, what happens to the other crab? He reaches up, grabs crab number one, and pulls him right back down. And if you got multiple crabs in a bucket, they'll be in that bucket forever. Some of you got a, a friend or a family member or, or somebody you work with that you're giving. It's not that you got to be mean to them. You just can't give them your ear and your spirit because they will take you and keep you right where you are. But you're like, I love them. We go way back. They're my cousin. Well, I'll tell you what. There's some cousins sent from the pit of hell to keep you from becoming everything you're called to be. So why don't you shake off those crabs that have been pulling you down and walk into the high calling of God by renewing your mind. Get a different group of people around you. You'll think a different thought and you'll have a different life. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Man, people are shaping your spirit. Second thing you got to do is you got to watch what you're taking into your life. How many know we got, we got so many distractions now to come and to, and to get our time? We have Netflix. We have Amazon Prime. We have Instagram. We have TikTok. We have Twitter. We have, we have every kind of thing you can imagine. We got seven or eight of them. We, we can't even remember now. They're coming out so quickly, right? We got, we got the conservative versions and the liberal versions and all of this stuff to pull you in. And you can take in so much of that that you don't have time for the Word of God. And then the world and the, and the new show and the Sopranos new movies coming out. And I'm telling you what, Yellowstone's coming and all those shows. I, I watch a little TV. I'm not against that. I really like mob movies. Pray for me, right? I like mob and cowboy movies. Pray for me. But, but I know if I got too much of that, it becomes the abundance of my heart instead of the word of the living God. So watch who you're hanging out with or more importantly, get get on the proactive side of getting around the right people. You get around the right people, it'll pull you higher. Get around the wrong people, it'll pull you down. I've traveled around the world, literally, spent tens of thousands of, probably hundreds of thousands over the course of 20 years. Why did I do that? To be around people that were bigger than me, that had larger faith than me, that could help uh, uh, grow my spirit in a different way. When you get around that, it gets transferable. You know, I, I had the opportunity multiple times. He went on to be with the Lord a couple of weeks ago. Dr. Cho from Seoul, Korea, 
built the largest church in the world, a million-member church in Seoul, Korea. Come on, that's how many of y'all would like to see something like that in America? See, see, in a, in a, come on, come on, let's give God a hand clap if we want to see something like that in America. Million people took a, took a nation from 3% Christian to over 30% Christian in his lifetime. I'm telling you, I, 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 me and Jesse go over there just to be in his presence. Why? Because it'll change the way you think. It'll change your mind. Walk into one of those rooms with 100,000 people praying in the Spirit. Changes you. And all the major churches in the world that have influenced nations, most of them have one thing in common. They're friends of Dr. Cho. When they got around Cho, their life began to change. We ought to change who we're hanging out with, and we ought to change our intake and we'll change the way our think, we think. And our life will go upward and onward. Come on, stand up on your feet. Come on, how many of y'all want to change your mind and change your life? Let's give God a hand clap. I want to change my mind. The word of God. And I'm going to change my life. I want you to lift a hand to heaven right where you are. Right where you are. I'm going to pray that we're not conformed to this world. Come on, we're not, we're not going to live conformed to this world system. But we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I know, I know new vision's coming back to people in the church, by the way. New vision's coming back to people. Last year and a half, two years, we've been idle. We've been sitting in neutral. And God told me he's going to restore vision to the church in America. The remnant church is going to get a new vision again. Not going to, we're not going to sit in neutral. We're going to know where we're going. We're going to do that by renewing our minds. Father, right now, I pray for a, a renewal of the mind of every person under the sound of my voice. I pray for a hunger of the word of God to flow in us and through us and to us, that we wouldn't be conformed to the world's way of living, but that we would be transformed by the very renewing of our mind. Lord, we declare that your word is changing the way we think. And as we change the way we think, our God is changing our life. Lord, we thank you that you help us guard our heart with all diligence. Out of it flows the issues of life. I bless now these, your people, and I thank you for them. I say your mind's being renewed by the word of God. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church said.